When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard. Comes out to Essien! Oh my goodness. It's a counter attack. It's a new dropper. And now Kitty in the middle. Dropper goes. Mix it on many of you. Stretch it. Stretch it. Mix it on many of you. Stretch it. Chelsea 2 the And Didier Dropper has it. Dropper in the centre. McCoy just came to the ground and was full of that ball that Magnus. Hello and welcome to an episode of Chessy Hour, the Patreon edition. Um, yes, we're going to be debriefing and discussing um, the Chelsea versus Arsenal game, and not just not just the Chelsea Arsenal game, but everything surrounding Chelsea right now and Potter. Um, it's Monday, you know, 48 hours, no, 24 hours removed from the game. And um, there's still a lot of things in the air from the Chelsea fan base in terms of feelings and emotions. I'd even introduce the guests. Hi, Jen, Alexis. Not too bad, man. Not too bad. When you reached out and said, do you want to jump on a Patreon edition? I was like, yes, I need to vent. Mm-hmm. I need to speak to people with are more calm than me, let's just say this <laughs> right now. <laughs> and I need you to give me some hope. Yes, yes. Well, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see about that. I mean, yeah, I, I saw you. You were quite active on the timeline today. So I thought, you know what? Why not? Let's, 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 let's have a conversation about it. And let's, get, let's get it out there. So let's start with how are you feeling generally about Chelsea right now? And just everything. Graham Potter, the team. Just what are your feelings about Chelsea generally right now? 
man, it's, it's an interesting place, right? Because someone's, we can't deflect from the fact that Bowley bought the club and wants his own imprint. And I respect that. But it doesn't mean I have to understand his decisions and accept them in a sense that, oh, yeah, he's doing the right thing. I can have my own opinion. I liked Tuchel. I would have given Tuchel more time. So from the outset, when they got rid of him, it's a new project that we didn't want. You normally, when your manager gets sacked, you're in your head, you're like, okay, we're going to go through a tough period because we're bringing something in. Something's really, really broken. I don't think Tuchel was the issue that was breaking us. So I'm feeling very disjointed with the club at this moment in time. Um, I, I feel like they they didn't panic. They just wanted to make their own stamp on it things. So they did things for the sake of just doing it rather than actually thinking it through and mm -hmm. organizing it. A lot of the media, it wants to present it as Chelsea are very organized. Look, they're bringing in scouts. They're bringing, they're bringing, they're building the background of the team. But we still don't have a director of football who essentially is the blueprint of the club, right? He's going to be the person. To... No, we still don't have one. Oh, We've so got a whole host. Different. No. Oh, okay, fair enough. So, uh, last I read, Bowley's going to be the director of football come January as of this moment. So what happened this summer is going to happen again. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting. I think I would be careful with generalising because I think, I think over the Tuple thing, I think um, from what I've seen, it feels like there was a 50-50 split with the fan base. I feel like some people, um, there's, there's a good portion of the fan base that actually welcomed this new um, project, if you will. Um, and welcome the idea of Graham Potter. I don't know, I'm still welcoming it, um, to be fair. Um, me, if you ask me, I'm not torn um, either way, to be completely mm -hmm. honest with you. Yes, I'm not going to deny that I was a huge fan of Thomas Tuchel, but at the same time, I can also be objective and understand where, you know, the decision-making behind the board and also um, some criticisms that some people had of him. But like I said, I'm not, I'm not torn on either side. Do you know what I mean? I'm kind of very much in the middle um, of everything. Um, and so when everyone's kind of, you know, like, oh, like a lot of emotions after the game and stuff like that, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm annoyed at the way we played, but I'm not like taking it out on the board or like Potter or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a weird one for me. It's a weird one for me, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a weird time. Um, I think yesterday you could see that the team is very much yeah you, you saw two complete opposite teams a team one team that's been playing together for ages very confident know each other very familiar with each other uh, very consistent you can tell that the their environments are very very um constant uh things mm -hmm. remain the same every week and then you had the complete opposite in us in terms of yeah. it's a team that changes every week it's a team that is low on confidence that is not totally accustomed to playing with each other, not totally accustomed to being coached in a certain way. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how, um, as I was kind of looking at the game, that's kind of how I see um, this team kind of kind of being for the next, I don't know, probably until the end of the season, if I'm honest with you. Um, Maybe even longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think definitely until the end of the season, for sure. Because like we've said many, many times on this podcast, like the squad is so big, 
and obviously there's a new manager who needs to imprint his style and yeah I I can't see it being something that's going to be that's going to happen overnight so I feel like for, for for most of the season it's gonna it's gonna kind of be like this but um yeah let's 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 talk about the game actually so I want to I want to talk about the lineup because I have some thoughts on the lineup but I want you to go first so when the lineup dropped what, what, what did you initially think like how were you thinking? Okay. I know you I know you said the day before that you were inclined to lose him but yeah when you saw the lineup what do you think um so when I saw the lineup in reg- a lot of people had outrage for the back four and had outrage that Aspie was playing. I didn't see any other alternative in a sense unless you put Trevor right back and bring Kulabali on and then go four at the back or we go at the five. So I didn't hate the defence. Um, it's something that we had to do out of necessity. We've got five, three players out that most probably would be starting. I didn't like the midfield. I don't... I don't like the midfield three when it doesn't have, for example, if it's Kovacic, Kante, Jorginho, I like it because it's tried, it's tested, there's control, there's organisation, know-how. I don't feel Mount has developed enough to start for a Chelsea in a midfield three yet in such a big game. Um, He hasn't played there enough in his defence. It just... You you saw what was going to come, and it looked imbalanced. It looked as if we were guessing what we were going to do as the game went on. It looked like he woke up one morning and decided we're going to do this. I know people looked at the sat. I think it was the Zagreb game midweek, and they were very, yeah, oh, like that. This was foreshadowing what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. If that was his preparation, we look. I'm really worried. Raheem has to play. I think. He's one of our shining lights of the season. Like, yes, he's been poor in the last five games, but we came in optimistic about him. He was started the season very well. He's just in a bad vein of form. We'll talk about Kai most probably later on. And Oba, I'm, I'm very, I'm uninspired. Like, I came into the game expecting to lose, but then it's Arsenal. So once the game gets going, you start, you get infatuated with potentially winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. What about you? How did you find the lineup? Yes. So I, I, I wanna, I wanna. Um, you said something very interesting about the midfield, and that is exactly what where my issues were. Um, I was okay with the defense. Um, I had no issues. I thought, um, Quetta, Yeah, like you said, there was no really any other alternative, um, apart from Chadwick playing right back. But um, and yeah, I, I kind of expected it to be like that. Um, I knew what what we played in midweek was kind of how we we're gonna go. In the Arsenal game, but like I said, the midfield for me was the biggest issue. Um, I am I'm not a fan of Jorginho and Ruben um, yeah. as a pair, and I think I said this in the last pod. I can't remember. Um, and for me, I just don't feel like Loftus is doing enough in the midfield. This is someone that I've supported for many years now, but um, recently it's just become apparent to me that I just don't feel like. He's doing enough in the middle um, in terms of just getting on the ball, um, defensive work. Um, the game just kind of just passing him by. He's not really doing that either, either or really. Um, he's just passing him by and he's not, yeah, just literally it. Um, so when I saw him in the middle, I was just like, Ugh. if he's not, when I saw him on the team sheet, I thought to myself, if he's not playing wing back, then I'm not sure about this. Um, but I think, you know, context maybe is that Kovacic, you know, Kind of just come back from injury and stuff like that, and um, it's being managed. 
Uh, obviously got City in a couple of days, so that's probably the thinking behind it. But when I saw that midfield, I was instantly worried. That's number one. Number two, um, so initially I thought it was a 4 3 3, but it actually turned out to be a 4 2 3 1. And that's when I became even more concerned, simply because the balance, as you again mentioned, was totally wrong. So obviously, we had Kai in the 10 and Mount to the left. And I think generally, I've said this last season as well when they both play an attack, I don't think it works. Mm. Um, I just don't think both of them can coexist on the pitch together. I think. Um, as an as a as an as an attacking force, it, it's really blunt. It's too, it's not enough um, ingenuity there. Uh, yeah, not enough individualism there as well. So, yeah, I just don't like it when them two play together. And to see that Mount was kind of inside left, and Kai was in the middle, it just yeah, to me, it looked so off right from the beginning. Right from the beginning, it looked off. But it shifted, didn't it? Because we initially started with, or maybe that was just the way I I perceived it. We started with a 4-3-3 in the first 20 and then Potter shifted it to get Mount onto the left mm. and Orba went through the middle. So maybe that's just one of those fluid yeah. things that Potter likes to do. Um, yeah. Or maybe he just said, you know what, this isn't working. Let's change it around, which is nice. Like I do like a manager that has mm. the wherewithal to change things without having to make a change of personnel. Yeah, yeah. And I think... It became. I think you're right. I think it did change um, quite early on, but I think it became very apparent to me that the balance was off when every time um, we got the ball, kind of in the fullback areas, or even in the centre back areas, there was just kind of no one showing, kind of in the middle. Like especially Kukurella. Kukurella had the ball numerous times on the left, and um, he tried to look for that ball into the channels. Um, so it should it should probably have been a bang and running that channel. Or um, an out and that winger maybe in like a Pulisic or something like that, kind of showing for that and um, or running in behind and there's just no one there because um, Mount was kind of infield. Um, and everything was Arsenal. choreographed. Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, credit to Arsenal because Arsenal kind of pressed us in the right areas um, to the point whereby when we had the ball in those areas, um, all the spaces were, were shut off, really. Um, yeah. And like I said, that's a team that's well-coached. Um, so yeah, like and it, it, the way it planned out, we just didn't have any ideas on the ball as you alluded to. And I think for me that was the most worrying thing because for me, I don't mind losing. Mm-hmm. But to lose in the way we did in terms of just a nothing performance and not showing anything, um, I, I couldn't see what the plan was. I think for me that's 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 a bit worrying for me. Yeah. Um and I'd probably assume you echoed his thoughts. Oh, one hundred percent. What was really alarming for me and I know we're most probably honing in on the midfield a bit too much, but you know, normally when Jorginho gets the ball, he has Kovacic that comes close to him and we pass it and the team presses us, but we play our way out of it. And then all of a sudden there's that space in behind. Yeah. This time around with Ruben and Mount, they, they weren't coming to accept the ball in a difficult position under pressure because yeah. Arsenal's press was really good. But sometimes you have to risk it does that make so you have to trust your technical ability and trust your teammates to be in a good enough position so you can play the one two and maybe that will develop with patterns of play and the more we we become used to it but yesterday it looked shocking and the first goal came from that essentially Thiago had no option on the ball comes bringing it out mounts running away like and making a a run when it's never on when really he should be showing for the ball Thiago gets dispossessed they win the corner and they score from it Mm-hmm. It was an unforced error, and 
it was an unforced error, not because their press was so great. It was because we weren't given options on the ball. Mm. It, like, and I hate to reiterate this because this team can keep the ball. Like, I saw a lot of people say, oh, these players are uncomfortable in possession. But that's, that's wrong because we've been very comfortable in possession with these precise players nine months ago. <laughs> like, what's changed yeah. now? Yeah. And, and, and again, I'd like to re- re- reiterate, I think Arsenal did a very good job in not allowing us, not giving us that space to kind of play. But at the same time, like you said, we are very good at playing in tight spaces when teams press us. I was going to ask you questions. Um, would you have played um, Zakaria? Zakaria, because I was very impressed with him midweek. And I thought to myself, maybe not from the start, that's fine. But um, especially at halftime, where the performance was going the way it was, I think potentially... Um, I was very disappointed that Graham Potter didn't make any subs at halftime, and I thought that could have been a good option off the bench, uh, maybe um, um, at the 45th minute, to bring him on, um, you know, who add a bit of physicality, athleticism. Obviously, he looks very comfortable on the ball, as we saw, um, against, um, albeit against lower opposition in midweek. Um, and I think he could, have added, he could have gave us something, potentially, because that midfield was really losing that battle. Um, did that ever cross your mind as well, or was it just me? It's really weird because I liked his performance against Zagreb. Um, I thought it was a breath of fresh air. And it's exciting to have a new signing that you know nothing about, right? So my experience was one game at an international tournament that I saw of him. Other than that, I haven't seen anything. So it was very new. And he passed with not flying colours, but he done very well. I was impressed. But I knew he wasn't going to play him because... He just seems so far down the pecking order. Personally, mm. I would have. Yeah, I feel like he's got a but mountain I'm to climb. Even, even surely, even surely, just to bring him on. Yeah, because but the thing is, it's not like Ruben had a great game not, yeah. or Mount, so you could have changed it. Yeah, but I feel like Mounts, like every manager has these go-to guys, right? Mounts evidently yeah. his go-to guy and his general on the pitch, so he'll stay on. So it yeah. would have been for Ruben, but we're, we're going to see him on Wednesday against Man City. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can, yeah, we see some more promising signs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, obviously, just back onto the game. Um, I don't know about you, but I thought generally, I thought Sterling was okay. I thought he tried a little bit. I don't think he was as use, like, useless in possession as um, the other attackers, personally. But um, I think, yeah, let's, let's get on to kind of what was happening going forward. So I think... Um, the front, it was kind of like a front four-ish of uh, Obama and Cavett's Mount and Sterling. Um, so how did you see that playing out in terms of like, yeah, just generally the whole game? I know Obama got hooked around the 50th minute mark, but um, yeah, how, how do you think it played out? So there are two different ways of looking at it. You could say if Havertz gets his head up and squares it to Aubameyang, we go 1-0 up completely different game for then yeah but i didn't like it they didn't look like a a unit they don't they it's like they don't know each other and they're playing for the first time together which is very odd the players are pressing when the other players aren't ready so then it's like a half-hearted press then next time someone isn't going when they get the ball everything seems rushed um Kai's one second on the left wing, then he's through the middle. He's trying to take on Saliba, then he realises, I, I can't beat him for pace nor for skills, so he holds it up. Everything seemed very individualistic without any of them being good at that, if that makes sense. Like, 
you don't look at Mount and, and Havertz and expect them to beat a man. Aubameyang at his age, he, he's never like going to be that player. Mm. Sterling's the only one, but even he's hesitant. He's always looking for a combination to mm. give and go. But yet, we're just not doing it. It looked, it looked toothless. And a team that went from missing too many chances to a team thanking their lucky stars and calling like rollbacks from Kai Havertz a chance. Like there was an opportunity where he basically, it was half shot, half cross. And I was like, oh, that's a chance. When really, it's a half chance. It's not even like a, I'm, I'm clutching at straws. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't, we didn't create anything, to be honest. Yeah. We didn't create anything at all. Um, and I completely agree with you. It, uh, that, that resonated with me. What you, what you said about them looking like strangers is so true. Because like I said, um, you know, Arsenal are a team, you know, playing together um, consistently. Um, I think I said on the top of the pod that we're still, we still look like a team that's kind of new. And it's funny because a lot of these players have been here for a while, but we do, but they they look like, you know, there's no kind of chemistry. There's no, um, yeah, there's nothing that's been built up um, in terms of... Slow. They yeah. Slow. They, they, they don't look familiar with each other. They don't look like they play together, if that makes sense. Um, and I think, obviously, that's a byproduct of all the changes um, from off the field in terms of the manager and also um, the, the top and the change in the team. There's no consistency in the team. I think Potter's tried to develop some consistently recently with certain having certain players play um, a few games in a row. Um, mm-hmm. But generally, um, the team hasn't... There hasn't been a consistent team that's stuck together for um, a number of games. Um, and we don't know, we really, the reality is we don't know who's going to play um, from game to game. That's the reality. Um, and whilst that happens, um, yeah, these players, they're not, they're not going to be able to develop any rhythm. Um, it's the same problem we had last year, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, um, I thought Aubameyang, I, I knew when they were doing all that build-up for Aubameyang that it wasn't going to go well, so there was no surprise there. <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> but at the same time, he was very, very, st- he was starving. Like, he literally, I, I, we literally did not feed him the ball at all. At all. I, don't, I can't remember how many touches he had in the game. 13. I think, I think he had, yeah, 13 touches, six, six passes. I actually don't remember him actually touching the ball during the game, funnily enough. Yeah. I really don't. Um, and, and and what's worrying, right, is he's a player that needs someone to create something for him. Mm-hmm. Um, Mount is a player that needs something created for him. Sterling is a player that needs something created for him. And Havertz is the highest one up the pitch who also needs something created for him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like we see this stuff. And I'm not Pulisic's biggest fan, right? Yes, he's but been very I, lucky. Is it very unlucky? Like very unlucky. You, you're giving him charity minutes, mm. and none and and none of the forwards are performing to a magnitude where you're like, you know what, they're earning these starts. Mm-hmm. And I, I I know like I call it the Dan Soft school of thought. You have to give them time. You have to give them the games, like the reps, and they will eventually get the numbers because they've played thirty, like that they've hit the quota, so that you've given them a fair crack. But sometimes mm. some of these performances are so disgusting, they don't warrant to have another 90 minutes. Mm. And I think the Pulisic thing is interesting because it goes back to what we were saying about balance. Um, there was no one... So in, in, in the lineup we had Mount, um, Havertz and Sterling, and there's kind of no one there who's 
going to pick up the ball and kind of drive at the opposition. I know Sterling can do it, but I think um, I kind of associate him more with being in and around the box for when the ball drops and for him to then kind of um, be threatening, if that makes sense. Um, he will take up really good positions in the box um, and he'll, like, like his goal in the midweek or he'll be on the end of it, like his goals against Leicester. Um, that's kind of what I associate Sterling with, but I feel like Pulisic mm-hmm. is someone that potentially, given the ball, you know, would kind of carry it and kind of go at the opposition. And like you said, the subs were just way too late. Um, he, I think he gave him about, what, 10, 10 minutes in the end, 10, 15 minutes in the end. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, and I think that's another thing to go on to. I think Potter's game management in the game against Arsenal was bad for me because um, I thought the subs were too late, number one. And number two, they weren't the right subs, I don't think. I don't think Gallagher um, in the number 10 position behind Broyo was particularly... Um, I don't know. I, I, I found that kind of... I don't understand with this infatuation with Gallagher, you know? Like, whenever we have Gallagher, Havertz and Mount on the same pitch, I really question what we're trying to achieve because... <laughs> Like I don't understand logistically what we're go- what we're aiming yeah, to. Yeah, like, I agree. I agree. I agree. Like, what do they offer? Like, as a as a unit, mm. they all want to score. Mm. Like that's that's their primary objective on a pitch. And sometimes, like the people say, oh, Mount passes it in positions where he knows he's more likely to get the ball back instead of creating for someone to get a shot away. I think that goes through his head sometimes, you know. And Gallagher's the same. His first instinct is, can I get a shot off? Or, I think Gallagher is quite attack-minded, yeah. Like, and, and it frustrates me because, this, like, we've got good quality. It's just a matter of allowing them to be in a system that gets the best out of them. Like, but we just don't utilise it. And then Arsenal being so superior to us... It's like they Chelsea'd us, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's what it we used like to... Rosa reverse over the years. It's what we used to do. We yeah, used to go yeah. to the Emirates, impose ourselves, and bully them, and it never looked like it's going to be an, another result. But they did that to us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I think... I, I wasn't mad at the Borussia sub. No, neither. Going back, going, back to his, going back to his game management. I wasn't too mad at the Borussia sub. Um... I thought the manner of the way Obama came off was a bit uh, a bit embarrassing, but yeah, maybe he could have held off on that one, but that's neither here or there. But yeah, the, the preceding subs for me just weren't it just weren't good enough. I would have brought on Kovacic a little bit sooner. I know I, I think that would if there was any game to kind of gamble on his fitness, I think that was it, because we were in such need of something in the middle. Um but ultimately he came on way too late to affect the game. Um I would have brought him on like fiftieth minute. Um, and I also would have brought on Pulisic very, very early in the second half as well, just to have something a bit different, a little bit of space. So I want to go in, in run out of defender, um, cut inside, you know, just to stabilise opposition a little bit. Um, yeah, because Ben White, Ben White, Saliba, Gabriel, and was Zinchenko looked prolific. They looked like they were title-winning defence. And I've seen people give Zinchenko a hard time. Like, he's known for not being able to defend, right? He's not, like, his actual, what he brings to that team is on-ball ability, coming mm. into the midfield, great overlaps, and they were doing that to us all game. Mm-hmm. But yet, we didn't test them. Like, Raheem had the ball a few occasions to take Vinchenko on. 
very cagey, very wants to slow things down. And he's almost been like programmed into the city mold where you recycle the ball, start moving the ball, find the gap, and then you're in the final third camp in the team in. But we just don't play like that. And when it goes into Potter's game management, I really hope he could have done something tactically to give us almost like an instinct after they scored. You know what? We're going to go for this game. Mm. I thought we were worse after the subs were made and we conceded. I thought if another goal was coming, it was going to come from Arsenal. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So I guess going forward, um, I guess we've, we've kind of, you know, we've kind of broken down the game a little bit and stuff like that. So I guess the next question is like kind of going forward. And I mean going forward in terms of the he- the future, future games. Obviously, you've got two games left. Um, until the World Cup, and which I think is a, going to be a much needed break for us. Um, what do you kind of want to see from Potter going forward to give you that hope? Because obviously, you're kind of feeling very devoid of confidence. Uh, like, you, yeah, you're, you're not very optimistic right now. Put it that way. Oh, I'm broken, man. I'm a, a broken man. Are the same thing. I'm feeling the same. So, what, what, what can Potter do to kind of instill that confidence back? and show you that he can actually... He has potential to do something at Chelsea. Personally, I want Potter to give... I want to see some patterns of play. Like, I want to see 15, 20-minute spells in games where we're playing free-flow and attacking football, where we're actually pushing a team back a bit. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is what we're going to get to. Do you, not, seen... do you not think we... You not, sorry to cut you. Do you not think we've seen that in the Champions League games? So I've like seen it against the... Milan, against Salzburg. Okay, so we saw yeah. it against the first game against Milan. I was very impressed. The second game against Milan, the ref changed the game completely when we went down sure. to 10 men. Yeah, and, and No, when they went to 10 men. And Giroud had a chance where yeah. if that goes in, it's a completely different night. Sure. So um, Salzburg, the first, the second game. So the second game, I yeah. Thought, yeah, and the, the first Salzburg, game, the, yeah, the first game was actually, which is really weird, right? The first game was the best optimism I had mm. after. I was like, you know what? I'm seeing a difference. Raheem Sterling's acting like Trossard on that left wing. Mm. Like, it's what he was doing with him. He was coming mm. in. It was creative ingenuity. I feel like in recent weeks, he's become more negative. Mm. It's become about grinding out results and forgetting implementing the patterns of play. And what really scares me is Brentford should have beat us. Villa should have beat us. United should have beat us. Brighton and Arsenal are only what we deserved. Mm. Like, we should have less points than we're on right now. And at the same time, we're not doing the regimen that he was brought, brought in for, playing youngsters play like, and developing a style of play. We might as well have kept Tuchel. I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think I will just be careful in the speed of that judgment. Okay, it has only been ten games, but I do, I do completely see what you're saying. Um, I, I and also your point about him kind of arguably being more negative. I don't think he's been more negative since the, his first game. I think he's just started to try a lot of things. Um, so the writing in the game is a perfect example. Trying to play two wing, two wings at wing back. Um, yeah, and obviously he's chopped and changed with formation and stuff like that. So I think, I think he's just proceeded to try a lot of things since um, since that first Salzburg game, um, and it's just not worked out for him. Uh, for me. Yeah, 
Um, but do you think he'll yeah. get the time? Because, for I example, do, yeah. I I read what's it called. So I was doing some reading um, about what his time was at Brighton. So we see mm. what he built, right? Apparently, the first two years, there was a lot of inconsistencies. He went on really bad runs of without getting wins, very experimental. I don't think he'll have those bedding in years at Chelsea. Mm. Like, I really don't. And I, Yeah, yeah. I think it depends on how bad it is. I think if it's like, if we're so far off, like we're like eighth or something like that, mm-hmm. then potentially he might not get that time. But I think if we're, as long as we're in and around the Champions League, like, and that could even mean dropping out of the Champions League, like being fifth, I, I think he will get the time just purely because that's who the board want. But I think it would take for, for it to get really disastrous. Like, let's say we're like loitering, we're flirting with mid table. If we're flirting with mid table, then it could get spooky for him, I think. Because we're on you're track. Right, you're right. His first couple of years at Brighton were very shaky. 16 16. Like, and I, I, by the way, this is Brighton. So, like, I'm not saying they should have been yeah, finishing mid table. Like, I'm, I'm just trying to paint a picture of what manager we have. I don't think he should get sacked, by the way, because I think it would mm-hmm. be stupid to sack him. And I think mm-hmm. he should have till the end of the season. But I do think. At the end of the season, we need to be able to look back and say, okay, we either made top four, now Mm -hmm. the work starts, or we didn't make top four, but we see a clear pattern of what's going to happen next year. I agree. As in, we've almost got a formation that we're, or a system that we're going to use. Um, These are like seven or six of the key players we're going to build around going forward. I, like yes, we need to add increments here and there. We need to tune up the team, but we need to see something because thirteen games in now, I have no clue apart from Mason Mount and Reese James. Like, who else is going to be in this team next year? Yeah, like, yeah. I'd be shocked. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I think by the end of the season, I just want to see. I just want us to be have a consistent eleven. Um, that we yeah. put out, which will be very difficult considering the squad is still might may still be bloated. Um, hopefully, we can get rid of some people in January, but I don't know how likely that is. Um, and yes, I completely agree with what you said. I think it's either a case of we need to have performed our we need to have achieved our objective of top four, or there needs to be kind of like what Arsenal last year, even though they missed out, we saw that they were cooking towards the end of the season. And I think that needs to be the case. Like we need to, we need more performances. I think um, for everyone to kind of get on board, um, and for us to kind of, you know, be confident that he can take us forward next season. Um, but yeah, I think if we get to end of the season and there still hasn't been enough performances to kind of suggest that, then I think from a fan, from a fan base point of view, yeah, I don't see him having a lot of trust. Sorry, I don't see a lot of people trusting him to take us forward. No, because I've already seen like match goal fans moaning, like saying, Oh, he doesn't like the job's too big for him. And this will only get worse. Like, for example, if we lose to Newcastle next week, and then we've got five, yeah. yeah, yeah, we've got like five games to sit on it, like five weeks to sit on it for a World yeah. Cup, and we come back. Yeah. The pressure on Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest the first two games back is going to be massive. Mm. 
and God forbid we lose one of those two, people are going to be calling for his head. And definitely. And I'll tell you now that people think, oh, this new ownership group have brought him in. The minute they realize that how much money you get by winning the Champions League or getting into the Champions League, they're going to act. Because I think we got 81 million euros for getting out the group just now. Like 81 mm -hmm. million euros. That, mm. that, that's a big portion, potentially, of our kitty next year. Mm. And if we miss out on the Champions League, the Europa League, I think, is 20% of that fee. Like, Bowley won't be happy and his investors won't be happy that this is happening after they invested 300 million into the club. But I don't know. I, I'm a bit careful with that, with that judgment, with that statement, because this is, his, this is their guy. Surely they would kind of know. I don't know how much they know about football, but if this is your guy, right, and you know that he's coming from um, Brighton, and which is not like it's not like a top club. Yeah. I, I would like to think they would have had an idea that this wasn't going to go well straight away. I would, I would hope that they would, they would have had an idea that you know this is going to take some time, and that it might, in terms of from a results perspective, it might not come straight away. Do you know what I mean? So I hope so. Yeah, that's but... what I'm saying. I hope so as well. So, but I don't know. I don't know how much football guys these these lot are. So yeah. only only time will kind of tell on that one. Yeah, it's it's frustrating because watching the game, like bringing it back into the game, right? I've never felt so like I wrote off the game beforehand. I I tweeted Tachigunas. <laughs> yeah, like, you did. I saw. Yeah. I saw. I was like, congratulations yeah. on your win. Don't <laughs> ban me at all. Like, yeah, I, I've accepted our fate. Mm. And it's because I didn't believe we had our equalizer of Tuchel. Mm -hmm. And I didn't believe that these players... Uh, by the way, Shems, a lot of these players I don't care about anymore, you know? There was a lot of, like, players I used to not make excuses for, but almost convince myself, oh, there, there's good players in there. The consistency's there. You just have to give them time. You have to give them time. But there's only so much time you can give them before you start going you know what, maybe it's time for you to go. Like, mm. yeah. like Kai, Kai looked pathetic. Like some of, like, it's the basics. It wasn't even, like, he's, he's involved. That's one thing I can say about him. He likes to get involved in the game. And even on his bad days, he's involved and he's in good, decisive chances. But mm. some of the touches and slipping up, it just looked like a parody video. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, scary man. I don't. I don't want to say too much on Kai because, um, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm kind of. I'm kind of exhausted to be honest. I've been yeah. talking about Kai for uh, the best part of a year now. Uh, the first part of the year was positive. <laughs> now I'm in a place where yeah. I can't really stand to talk about him. To be honest, um, I, I don't. I don't think it's really worth the conversation as much as he was before. That's just my personal view, uh, and I've just kind of accepted him for what he is. Really, he's just a player that has bags of talent but won't show it on a consistent basis. It's just going to be here and there. Um, and I've kind of made peace with it, to be honest. Um, he doesn't fill me with confidence when he starts in terms of the team playing well. Um, that's just my honest opinion. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I stand by what I said a couple of months ago. Like, I, I, would, I, I would like us to shift him in the summer. If if he can if he wants to go back to Germany or something like that, I, I wouldn't mind because the squad is bloated. Do you know what I mean? If the squad wasn't bloated, maybe I'd I'd be more open to giving it a chance. But it's it's so bloated that 
there are a lot of people that need to go. And, you know, if you're not really cutting it, then you're the exception. Do you know what I mean? There are so many players that yeah. need to go. And it's honestly, there's so... I've seen this rhetoric online as well. There are so many players that I just don't care about. Like, mm, and it's really sad when you look at your your team, right? 25 Apart from literally Reese James, Trevor Chalobah, Thiago Silva, there's not, and maybe like Kante, I like Jorginho. There aren't many players I look at in this team and go, you know what? If I was building a team from scratch and I got you in a draft pack, I would be very happy. Yeah. Like, there aren't many. It's like, yeah, okay, I can replace you. And mm. that's such a bad way. Because when I talk to Arsenal fans, they're always raving about Martinelli, Saka, Jesus, like Partey, even Xhaka now. Mm. Like, you talk to Manchester United fans, even they're happy. They're talking about Martinez. They're talking about Casemiro. Like, mm. There's like a core of players that they all are, are yeah, happy agreed, with. Agreed, agreed. We don't have that. And no, like I'm literally apart Maybe from defense, Trevor. But apart from that, Tre- by the way, Trevor and Thiago came out with positives from that game. Yeah, yeah, opinion. I think Thiago was actually good. So do I. Yeah, I think Thiago was pretty good, other than that little mistake. But yeah, generally, there's not a core of players outside of the defense. So James, Thiago, Chalabar. Other than that, there's not really a core player that we can really rave about. And yeah, you're right. It is quite sad, to be honest. Would you be happy going forward if we went to uh, the back three the way he did at Brighton at periods? But so we went literally Thiago, Koulibaly and Trevor until Fofana comes back. And then that's cover almost for Thiago and a rotation piece in between. Like, would you be happy with a back three? Or do you think maybe it's just time now we transition into a four and move on? Uh, so, to be honest, with James and Chilwell injured, I think we need more in the middle going forward. Okay. So, the answer is no. I don't think right now a back three is the best way to go because we're not going to get anything from the wing-back positions. Um, I mean, I guess if when Fofana comes back, you know, you've got extra centre-back cover and potentially... You know, you could play SP at wing back, or you could play a winger there, um, and run like Cucurella to the ground at left wing back. So it could work, but I think I I do believe we need a bit more in the middle. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of I, I prefer the four right now. Um, you prefer the four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I see it. Kind of how we set, how we set up against Wolves at home, which is probably our best game on the pot, which is like a four two three one, and you know the game against Salzburg, I think it was. So, the one we just... No, sorry, not Salzburg. Zagreb. Um, uh, I know Salzburg was a five. Was mm-hmm. back, but it was kind of like with Sterling went back and whatever, but it kind of moved and stuff. But, um, yeah, I think... I, I'm genuinely not wedded to a formation. It's just more the execution of it. I think that's my thing. Um, I don't like... I don't particularly like the execution of... Um, having two wingers at wing back so for me it's just more how we execute things um so i'm not mm-hmm. actually wedded to a specific formation it's more how the manager implements it um and i think we've had good games in a five and we have good games in a four on the par so it's kind of hard to say um but my own bias would probably lean more towards, towards a four because i'm kind of it's been such a long time that we've been playing a five at the back um and we've got the potential to kind of hurt teams in the middle because you've got like Kovacic, you know, Jorginho, Zakaria looks like he, he can offer something. So why not? Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think it would be refreshing to see, like for example, Pulisic on the left, Sterling on the right, or switch them. Mm. You know, have Brozier, or if you want the Havertz experiment, play Havertz there. Like, but then a midfield like of balanced. Honestly, Kante being out is so annoying because, mm. like. There are injuries, and you know what? Maybe that's where we can give a little bit, little bit of leeway to Potter and start saying, you're, "Okay, you're miss, yeah, you're missing Kante, you're missing Fafana, and you're missing uh, Reese James, three guaranteed starters." But at the yeah. same time, Trevor Trevor stepped up, so you're not missing Fafana that much. It's mm. the other two, but they're always injured. That mm. that's another thing we need to be. We need to buy players that are durable, mm. like because it's ridiculous. We're signing players and they just break down in front of our eyes. Mm. Uh, yeah, Shemi, I'm sorry if I've been a very doom and gloomy person tonight. No, no worries, man. That's what the pod is for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no worries, uh, no worries, man. But, by yeah, the way, Amari Hutchinson's touted to start against Manchester City. Is it City. actually a start or just be involved? So those. In the no accounts are tweeting, uh, putting pictures of him, and they're like, "Big things coming," blah blah okay. blah. Right. Trust, trust the source. It, it might be exciting. Yeah. It's something to look forward to. But like, did they do that before the um, before what game was it that he came? The Brighton game. He did that before the Brighton game. He didn't get on the pitch. Oh, I don't know, man. But it's something <laughs> to look forward to. Like, I think, I think he'll play, and I think, I think he's exciting. I think he's an exciting young man. I tweeted that um, he can offer quite a bit of what we're missing, and I fully stand by that from what I've seen of him. Um, so yeah, it would be positive ball carrier, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's a ball. He's, he's, do you know what it is with him? He's individualistic from what I've seen, mm-hmm. and that's what you need sometimes when the team isn't isn't playing well, isn't full of confidence. You need someone to just be an individual and be like, you know what, bun it, I'm going to do my thing. And that's what yeah. I saw of him in the youth in the, the youth game that I watched. So yeah, it'll be exciting to see him. I'll be tuning in hundred percent, like just to see him. Um, yeah. I hope he plays. I hope he gets a good thirty minutes under his belt um, because he's way too good for the youth team. And yeah, he he. If you watch any youth game of him in the team, you can just see that he's not that level. And yeah. his first team, he's literally first team ready. Um, so yeah, I would like to, I've got time to see him hang about the, the first team, man. I'm all, I'm here for it. I am as well. And if I see a lot more of these players getting blooded, not for the sake of like just putting them in the team, but actually, okay, look, Bro Brozier got half an hour today. Next week, Omar Hutchinson got 25 minutes. Now he gets an odd start. It builds some sort of okay. We're going somewhere. Mm. But when I'm seeing the same names that I know I'm going to be here next season, potentially, it's very hard to get behind the project. Like, and I, by the way, the press conference, did you see the aftermath in the press conferences? With, yeah, yeah. You're talking about the Mason Mount thing? No, I'm talking... So the Mason Mount thing annoyed me, but it was straight after the game where he said the players gave it their all. Yeah, yeah, I saw. I, I read it. I didn't see it. I read it. Yeah, so yeah, on BT, man. it's concerning. I don't like that. Like, I'm not one to throw the players. Like, I think you should throw the players under the bus. Well, I think. Yeah, all he had to say is we didn't show up today. Show it was up. really bad. Exactly. They're in a different place to us. That's it. 
but, but saying that's, like that's his, sorry to cut you but i think that's just his character his character is to be nice like in terms of i don't have to explain it but that's just how he is do you know what i mean he's very much a oh we tried um yeah. and we'll go again next week um you know what i mean he's not I, whereas he's very he's the opposite of Tuko. Tuko was very honest and kind of brutal in terms of his ass- assessment of the game whereas yeah. i think potter will kind of save that brutal honesty possibly for behind the scenes i would hope it would be behind the scenes i don't think he'll, he he doesn't he wouldn't show that in public um whereas Tuko, um what one thing i liked about Tuko is that he, he like you ask him questions you answer it directly like it's just straight yeah. honesty um so i think they're two opposite characters in that sense it's why I love this press conferences. Like even pre-match yeah, or post-match. I won't be watching these ones. No, I, 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 honestly, I have to cover it on my channel, and it it gets very boring after a while because it's the same answers, very like media trained. He knows what he's saying, and I understand why they got him in. He's very good at being a corporate manager. Like he will never put the board under unnecessary stress. Mm. He knows how to answer it to de-escalate a situation. But you just lost a London derby. We're all emotional. Like, well, I'm emotional. I don't know about everyone else. I hate losing to Arsenal. And me hearing, oh, the guys gave it their all. No, they didn't. That, that wasn't, if that's their all, we've got bigger problems than I anticipated. Mm. Yeah, but, and then the Mason Mount comments, uh, it is what it is. Like, he's not going anywhere. So yeah, yeah. There's no, yeah, no point of us entertaining it. Quite really, yeah, making the most out of that. But it's not, not good. Good. It's not good. <laughs> it's not, not good. good. Not sometimes good. maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but on that note, I think we'll end ah. the pod there. It's been a very good one. It's been a therapy session, you know? Yeah. That's what <laughs> podcasts are for. Oh, my day. Yeah. It'll get but, better. It'll get better. It'll get better. It'll get better. But thank you very much for joining me, Alexis. Um, and thank you if you made it to the end for tuning in and supporting the Patreon movement. And yeah, we'll be back soon. Peace. Welcome everyone to um, Chessie Hour. This is Doubleheader. So we've got um, half the team. Well, Alexis, who's obviously a friend of the spot. He's even got Touchline Rack with his bio. So, but yeah, him and Shemi focus on the Arsenal match. With this is a double header for L's. It's crazy, um, but we're here to analyze it. Um, and it's me, and then it's one of my favorite Chessie members. We have got Sam. What are you saying, Sam? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm good. As you said, we're staying at the L Hotel. Not the A hotel, like they tried to say it on the main pod. <laughs> um, that was not staying at that hotel. I don't even know what the hotel is. But yeah, I'm at the L hotel at the minute, not the A hotel. And we're comfortable here. It feels like we're going to have an extended stay for some reason. But yeah, we got the King Suite. Yeah, getting upgraded. It's, it's not good. Um, <laughs> so listen, coming into this game, it's the Man City game. Man City away. Um, I didn't realise at first that it was the League Cup. I just knew that we had Man City coming up and I was thinking this is going to be depressing. But it's kind of like going into the game and it's sad, but going into the game, it's like, okay, we're going to lose, but at least we're losing. For me, that was the the bright, you know, the silver lining. We're going to lose, but we're going to lose in the League Cup. So I don't mind as much. But that was me going into the game. Do you have any hope going into this game? Um, I mean... I had hope in the sense of it's a cup game, so anything can happen, and you don't really know what teams people, uh, what teams each, te- what teams each team is going to put out. Yeah. So I mean, I remember once, must have been about five, six years ago now. Pep literally just put out a whole squad of youngsters against us. Yeah. So, I mean, if th- if that happened again, then yeah, we could have won. But also, would that win have felt 
like any good because it's like well you beat a load of school kids congratulations yeah, yeah, yeah. um so yeah i didn't have much hope i mean city are the best team in the country maybe the world so and we're not exactly in a good position at the minute yeah so yeah i didn't have much hope going into the game it was more kind of a watching the game to see what we done well, see how we done rather than looking at the result. Cause I kind of felt the result was a kind of already decided, which I know people as Chelsea fans, there's a lot of we Chelsea, we shouldn't be like this, but I think being realistic is kind of, it has to be that mm. natural at this point. We shouldn't be thinking, oh, City are going to beat us full stop, but the position we're in, the position they're in, mm. I, I don't know. I get, I get. I think one thing is funny is like a lot of people saw the nail in the coffin, the fact that Pep came out and saying good things about us, they're a good team, praising, etc. etc. And usually when that happens, it's like, okay, they're gonna they're gonna wipe the floor of us. Apart from obviously the, the big one, which is the Champions League final. But you're right, when um when it's League Cup, the hope is <laughs> in these games for us, and I feel like it's this is not necessarily an indictment on the manager because I know everybody wants to kind of hang people out to dry. And I know that as fans, a way of venting is to kind of target an individual. But I just think, like I've said in the other podcasts, there's so many things going on with change of management, change of board, et cetera, et cetera. But it did feel like, again, you kind of have to cling on to the little bits of hope. Like you said, the hope that, oh, actually, it's a League Cup game, therefore they're not playing their strongest team and all of that type of stuff. And so when I saw Rico Lewis was starting, I was like, okay, cool. Maybe there's going to be a lot of no-names starting. But when I saw the lineup, and I'm like, okay, Grealish is playing, Alvarez is playing, Mahrez is playing, Gundogan's playing, Rodri's playing, Laporte's playing, Diaz is playing. I was like, rah. Like, this isn't a weak team at all. Um, but No, it wasn't at all. Yeah, but yeah. I kind of, it's also an indictment on Chelsea and kind of looking at where City are at. I don't, a lot of that is their second team. I don't know. Look how good they still look. But for me, when I look at Chelsea's second team, I see the same thing. When I'm looking at how many people are starting for us, Koulibaly, Kukurela, Chalabar, Loftus-Cheek, Kovacic, Zakaria, Lewis Hall, Ziyech, Brozhar, Pulisic. I feel like at the same time, they're both kind of like... Yeah, I mean, they're like top-level players. In right, so... So and it's, I know it's easy to try to lift up City and downplay Chelsea, but I just feel like, for me, it seemed like both of them kind of did similar things. They shuffled the squad, so players that weren't playing as much came in. Um, I agree. And, and then there was a kind of a few youngsters. Um, well, for them, more youngsters. I think it was like two youngsters and for us, one youngster. But then we'll get on to our youngster. because, Or oh, to be fair, Brochure can count as youngsters as well. So, But anyway. Um, Does Loftus Cheek still count or...? I think we're going to talk about Loftus-Cheek anyway, but the game, the game finished 2-0. Um, just quickly before we can go deeper into it, like I know that they won 2-0 and watching the game, I feel like it's clear who was the better team. But what was interesting is that their, their, their goalkeeper, I don't know if he officially won a man of the match, but for me, he was their man of the match. Um, we had several chances like there was a Pulisic chance and Lewis Hall had a couple of chances where they didn't bury it. So even though it was like they scored, it was 2-0. I feel like, I don't think it was a game where it's like, we definitely should have lost. Like we had chances and we could have taken our chances and been in the game. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely controlled the kind of tempo and pace of the game, as City always do, uh, regardless of who plays. That's kind of what City do. But definitely, if you look at the chances both teams had, it was pretty equal. We just 
didn't finish our dinner like usual, like you said. I think Grealish officially won man of the match. I don't really agree with that. I don't think he was. I think he was match. awesome, though. I think it was. Awesome. He was really good. He was good, um, for sure. One of the best performances he's had probably this season. But yeah, I agree with their goalie. I think their goalie made key saves in kind of yeah key moments of the game. Even when we would were you say, down. So would you say that the the big chances, like the Pulisic ones and the Lewis Hall ones, do you think that actually? They should have buried it. They they should have done more to finish it. Or do you think Ortega just did amazing goalkeeping? I think, I think, I won't judge Lewis Hall too much. Like he's a young player, it's his first game, but I do think he should finish his chances. Yeah, uh, like I do think if you've got a Chilwell there, for example, he probably finishes both those chances. Um, but that's like I don't want to judge Lewis. He played really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pulisic chance. Uh, which one was that? Oh, that was the he had a couple shots from kind of RLC. So what happened was RLC. Look, we they were on top of us at the beginning of the game. It looked like it was going to be like a uh, slaughter. Um, but then we had a couple of counters. RLC um, does his thing, especially on like the wing because he's got strength as well, where he just kind of wiggles through. So he kind yeah. of goes down the right, and then he passes to Ziyech. With Ziyech, I'm thinking, oh, he's just going to shoot because Ziyech always shoots from mad zones. But Ziyech actually gets into the yeah, ball. Yeah, I remember. Finds Pulisic and then Pulisic, I think it was like it came. I don't know if I'm harsh, but all I know is that what happens is he doesn't get a strong connection on it. No, I agree. He kind of scuffs the finish and it's yeah. a good block by the defender. And, it, yeah. and you never know oh, where that's gonna oh, go if it didn't hit the defender. Oh, did it hit the go- defender? Okay. Yeah, so it hit the defender and went out. I mean, you never know, but I still think he didn't get a good enough connection on the ball. And that's kind of one thing you actually expect from Pulisic. He's quite he's a pretty good finisher. Yeah. Um they kind of expect that. What do you then, think yeah. about- what do you think about Pulisic's overall performance? Because Pulisic, um, uh, it's, it's a weird one because I feel like actually when he's played, he's shown that he can bring something to like this season under Potter specifically. I think he, I agree. Yeah, I think he was pretty. He's yeah. pretty dangerous. I think he's he stretches defense. He's probably he's a weird one. I'm not sure if defenders will like playing against him or Cancelo. They asked Cancelo, who's like the player that you. Uh, most hate playing against and then he mentioned Pulisic now he might just you know like that one remember that game in lockdown lockdown Puli where he ran past him that was Cancelo he breezed and so that that might play in his head that specific scenario Um, but Cancelo did say that he was the hardest person to play against he says because he's unpredictable he's fast all that type of stuff for sure, for sure. Like you said, I mean, I remember Luke Shaw saying Victor Moses was the hardest he played against once. So Victor Moses, um, like people tried to play it down. Victor Moses might not oh, finishing, but one on one, he could take players on. Oh, I agree. Like, you, but yeah, like you said, it might just be that one or one or two games where that the player they're talking about is a really good game. Um, I don't think pro footballers are watching kind of every game. Yeah, that of but, their team. But at the same time, like where we might be frustrated from a. Victor Moses or Pulisic because they're not necessarily scoring loads of goals and getting assists. As a defender, I just know this person might be hard to track. Victor Moses, when it comes down to it, maybe he's not good at shooting all that type of stuff, but I know that he's mad strong. He's got low centre of gravity and he's kind of good. He's tricky. So I know that I'm going to be, it's going to be a difficult day for me. Do you know what I'm saying? So, Oh yeah, I agree. Like, like you yeah. said, um, obviously pro footballers have a good indication of what they find tricky. Yeah. Um, Gary Neville said Louis Saha yeah. always yeah. used to pam him. So, I mean, like you said, these these players are top-level players regardless of people yeah, yeah, like yeah. him or not. But um, Pulisic, because he's got two years left and because currently he played in this B team. And so Potter's 
already kind of shown his cards. Now, Potter coming in, he's had the kind of clean slate, whereas certain players on Tuchel, they knew that I'm not favoured by Tuchel, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things that we saw with Potter immediately, and this is what I attribute to new manager bounces, that everybody has a clean slate, so everybody's trying to impress. Do you know what I'm saying? And so that kind of helps in terms of winning games. Um, but like very quickly, people realise who is trusted and who is not. And I think Pudisic falls more on the outcast thing, right? Um, so two years left, should we be doing more to try to keep him? Because I'll say I'll just say this. I think I've said it before, but as soon as players leave, all of a sudden I'm seeing videos of this is exactly what we need at Chelsea. Why did we let him go and all that type of stuff? So I can see that happening with Pulisic as well. So what, what did, what's your thoughts on Pulisic and like long-term future at Chelsea? Let him go and go for new people. Um, in terms of him at Chelsea at the moment, I think he's been kind of unlucky to not get more starts. Yeah. Like you said, he has actually impressed in a lot of his cameos. Yeah. I think he did start maybe one game where he wasn't actually that impressive. Yeah. So maybe it's look, looked at as oh, he's better off the bench. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be mad at selling him. Yeah. I mean, I think he's had an ample opportunity to kind of stamp his mark and bar that kind of lockdown period, which he was really good at. Yeah. I don't think he's kind of shown that level of title-winning team that that we need. Okay, uh, it's all about raising the ceiling, I believe. And I think, do you think? We, sorry, go on, finish your point. Yeah, I think it really depends on who we go out and buy. Yeah, like obviously, there's a lot of talk about Liao and Cuckoo players like that. Yeah. I think it's easy to look at those players and say they're definitely better than Pulisic yeah. because of what they're doing in their current leagues at the minute. But I mean, we've seen this a million. Like when we bought Pulisic, he was so much better than William, for example. This is what I was gonna say, but you treat yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like every single time we have these waves of, oh Ziyech, he's gonna be the creator extraordinaire. Oh, um, Werner's gonna score all the goals. You know what I'm saying? And then when they come in, it's like, was Werner really an improvement on uh, a Tammy? And was is is Ziyech really the creator extraordinaire and all that type of stuff? Um, so it's a good point. And this is what I'm asking you. I'm asking you um, because I do think there's a grass is greener thing. I, I, like, is there part of you that thinks Pulisic just needs to be given the keys? Because some people can say that he hasn't been given the keys. A lot of people argue otherwise. But what's your thoughts on him? If he's given the keys at Chelsea or elsewhere, do you see him as someone that's good enough for um, a top team like Chelsea? Not really, no, to be yeah. honest. I mean, yeah. his injuries are one thing. I don't think he's truly escaped that kind of injury tag yet. He still gets injured quite a lot, little knocks here and there. But it sounds kind of rude, but I don't think he has the brain to be like, give the keys to player. Like, I think he relies a lot on his kind of raw pace and his kind of close control, which has gone down a hill, but it seems to have picked up a little bit now. Like we're seeing kind of similar dribbles to what we were seeing when he was at his best. I think he relies on them kind of attributes rather than being kind of, I would say if you want to give the keys to someone, they need to be, they need to be smart. They need to be a no kind of holds barred player that just gives it to the opponent every game. And I, I don't really think you can expect that. of okay. right. I'm not sure you can expect that of anyone in our team at the moment. To be, I was going to ask, I was going to ask a question, but I didn't want to get too depressive. So I thought, no, limited. yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone, like if you look but at the other top teams, you say that, world, hey, Sam, you say that. And what I'll say is, I'll just say it, it just, it does really seem 
these players can shine elsewhere than come to Chelsea and they find it more difficult to shine, which is why I'm less harsh on our players, especially like our attackers, than a lot of people. And it's because I see their play, and I've spoken about it time and time again. I feel like Chelsea play- attackers don't get the chance to not be on form. And I think it's normal for players to not be on form. But I think because we've got so many options, um, it just becomes a bit of a mess. But but I'm going to ask you about Ziyech, because Ziyech is another one, clearly B-team, um, feels like he should be he should have been sold. He, he feels like he's on borrowed time at Chelsea. Um, but I did see some good things yesterday. I still saw a lot of the frustrating, just crazy shots from ridiculous areas. But like a little, there's little bits where he was on the line and he nutmegged the player, and, and then obviously that Pulisic chance that he created. Um, let's talk about the game first. Um, mm. How do you feel like he did in the game? Yeah, I mean, I don't think ZX's kind of technical quality has ever been brought into question. It's clear he's a very technical player. I just think his obviously like physique and his kind of, he's not really that quick. Um, he's not really strong, which I don't like to boil footballers down to because, of course, you can make it without being kind of insanely quick or insanely strong. But it's definitely difficult for him to kind of make his mark as a winger at the top level in the Prem, I think. Um, I don't think he's technically that astute to kind of be in the, I don't know, maybe like you've seen Bernardo Silva be really good out wide, but I mean, he's like a technical demon and he works extremely hard as well. Ziek doesn't, I think a lot of people brandish Ziek with the lazy tag. I don't think he's actually that lazy when I watch him play. I just think he has clear kind of physical deficiencies and maybe he doesn't have the natural eye for defending, um, which... I mean, isn't a bad thing. He's an attacker. He's always been an attacker. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think he's on borrowed time. I think he should have been sold in the summer, but clearly no one offered what we wanted to offer. I don't really understand playing him in a game like last night. I mean, I get it, but he did show some okay things. Like you said, that turn on the way he turned, um, I can't remember who it was, but obviously Loftus-Cheek got over, hit the pass and he'd done a, I think it's like the Berbatov move where he spins it on the line yeah. and goes past him. Uh, he set up a good chance for Pulisic. So when he gets in certain areas, he can be good. Do you know sure. what? Do you know what? I think I think he had a out of the three, and we'll get to Brojo, and we'll, this is going to be a mini one, so we're not going to drag it out. But um, I think out of the three, he did a lot of good stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. Like he does do good stuff when he's on the ball. Yeah. It's just does he get on that ball enough, and does he kind of trouble think, defenders you know, enough? You know what my my opinion of Ziyech is? I think my opinion of Ziyech is there's a lot of times where you write him off you know play a couple of games and you'd be like oh do you know he's got something to offer but i just think um his decision making is wild to me do you know what i'm saying oh yeah Uh, many times where it's very extreme yeah i feel like there's too many times we're in good situations and then he'll just do something like a shot from range and for me it's just like yeah for me it's just like i'd rather you do something kind of creative, or do you know what I'm saying? But do, I, I think agree. The shot, from, the shot from range, the like the um chance of it going in is so crazy. And then obviously, like there was games like against Tottenham, and I think even in the last game, he he did a shot, and then Ortega had to go and kind of run to kind of pull it out. But it's just like, ah, oh, there's so many good chances where it's like, if you do the shot from range when 
everybody's back from the other team and like there's not no other options or no good options but then there'll be some really really good options and then he'll do the shot from range and I'm like oh yeah he does it with crossing as well like I think you see him get the ball out wide and instead of maybe playing it back to the full back or like kind of playing it inside to the centre mid we'll just cut to his left foot and spam it to the back post and And it's like we've seen this move a thousand times it's the only move you have please switch up your flow and, and my thing is this, and I never, this is what, with creators, I think maybe because I've got a creative background, but like I'm always on the side of the creator rather than the critic. And I think, yeah. and I think a lot of people that watch football, like I can't, listen, there's a lot of time, I don't go into the group chat when Chelsea are playing often. I don't, um, I remember when I was doing Discord Lives, I didn't like the experience, um, especially with Chelsea and like, and even going on, on, on Chelsea Twitter, and I think it's just because for me, a lot of the time I like watching Chelsea from more more put po- po- like positive angle. And obviously everybody watches Chelsea different. And I just feel like a lot of the time, the way other people watch it, it's just like criticize, 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 criticize. That shit, it's just not good for my soul and for who I am. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not critic, 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 critic. I'm yeah. more. And so like with ZH, I'm someone that is more on the side of the creator, but I just feel like with him and it's not like again I'm not slaughtering him like when he's making these choices I just think that his choices are poor do you know what I'm saying if I saw it like as a creator if I saw it more coming off then I'll be happy to to back it but I just feel like a lot of the times where I'm saying like half the times is poor and I just feel like yeah if he was a bit more because we've had this with Barkley and I've explained with Barkley, a lot of people are like, oh, he's frustrated. And I feel like creators can be frustrating because it's not always going to come off. But I just feel like with him, it's the hero stuff. And I feel like that is what is annoying. Like the long shots, that's like hero ball. And I feel like with that, that's maybe my line. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't think he's built up the equity to be that kind of hero ball player yet, in my opinion. And I do think equity is a real thing in football. I mean, I think if he was creating loads of goals, scoring loads of goals. And I would be like, okay, have a shot from out wide. Like, do that. I don't really care. But when you're not that guy, it just feels like you're a bit of a gazy creator. But do you know what it is for me? What I think is, it's like, because I don't mind the, equ- the equity thing for me. It's not as important. But it's about the amount of different good opportunities at the time. So if there's several good opportunities at a time, and then you're going to do something that's, like the the pos- the probability is low, then for me that's that's like ah, oh, do you know what I'm saying? Like there's so many good opportunities and you've done this low probability thing. Yeah, and I think sure. that's what that is what is annoying. For and me. I think that's how a lot of top managers think as well. And it's probably why he's never gonna make it kind of at that top level in the, in a top league because yeah. I think if you watch Pep, if you watch Tuchel, they're definitely like percentage managers they want to play on the percentages they're like well I mean if you take the shot from 30 yards it has a five percent chance of going in but if you kind of play it out wide kind of build up slowly and you're going to create a more oh. high percentage opportunity we'll, we'll get on to Mount but there was an opportunity where Mount should like everybody said should have but like in football there's no like you know what I'm saying should have everybody makes yeah, 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 yeah but like everybody was saying there was a good opportunity to play Sterling through but he went wide and so in the part of the conversation, you always have to understand the nuance in terms of if if they do what you expect them to do, then it becomes predictable. 
Like, this is why it's easy for the defenders to shuttle because, yeah, this is I agree. the person to pass to. And so I don't mind unpredictable and I don't mind people taking risks and it going wrong. I think for me, it's just yeah. the decision-making doesn't really tally up for me when I see, like, what... what and I don't think Ziyech is unpredictable. Yeah. Everyone knows, I know what he's going to do. Yeah. I could probably defend one of his crosses. I'm like, well, you're just going to cut onto your left foot and spam it to the back post. Yeah. So as long as the goalie just starts going towards the back post or the defender knows to catch him on his left foot because he's got no right foot, then, I mean, it makes it pretty easy to defend. He's not Robin. He's not but, even Mares level, so he's not that I, good there. To be fair to Ziyech, I think part of his unpredictability is the reasons why we created chances the last game. So I know you said he's not unpredictable, but, like, again, that chance that will take a save, like, I don't know why he shot from there, but it almost went in. Obviously, the chance he set up, the, the thing that you talked about, the Berbatov spin, that was unpredictable. I didn't know how it was Oh, gonna definitely. Happen. You know what I'm saying? So, And that's why I think what you said about him playing, like, four or five games in a row, and people are like, ah, like, maybe he's got a little something, like, maybe he can do something. But, I mean, then you just watch him and you're like, ah. he's just frustrating. He's right. very he's frustrating. He's very yeah. frustrating. He is, and but and the, like what I'm struggling with is, and like I think creators can be frustrating, but I just feel like with Ziyech, I'm not, I can't put my name behind him. I'm sorry. All right, no, I agree. Let's talk about Brozier. Brozier again. People are gonna say frustrating because he, everyone's gonna say hold on to the ball too long, should release it, all that type of stuff. Brozier for me is unpredictable, and again in the debate with the kind of frustrating thing and. Uh, if we remember when Salah was at Chelsea, people called Salah frustrating. And so this is why I'm just saying, with Chelsea fans, sometimes kind of have to relax a little bit because players are going to, some players are going to be frustrating. And then when you take the frustrating players out, everybody's going to be like, oh, we're so boring. We don't take any risks because the players that do take risks frustrate you. So I think there's a bit of Chelsea fans having to learn to cope when things don't go well because people that take risks, not everything's going to go well. And I definitely agree. What I'll say with Brozier is that, yes, he does hold on the ball for a, a long time. And yes, it's like sometimes, again, people be like, oh, yeah, if you just pass it, you've done a lot of good work, just pass it now. But the thing is, yeah, one of those times where he holds on the ball for long, like, because Brozier's happy to take on three or four people at the same time. <laughs> He's happy. And he and, does it as well. Yeah, and this is what I'm saying. And it's not always going to come off. And then when it doesn't come off, people are going to try and annihilate him. But when you suck in all of those players... If you can come out of it, you've just isolated like four people out of the game. And yeah. so he's a young player. And do you want Brozier to lose that? Or do you want him to refine it? And Definitely this, refine uh, it. Exactly. And so for me, I feel like the only sometimes the only way you refine it is to keep on doing it. And that's kind of how you get better. And so I don't necessarily want the coach to stop to tell Brozier, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Uh, for me, it's like, and this is where people need to really understand. Do you want a, a young squad? Do you want to be Cobham FC and all that type of stuff? Because really and truly, it's not about stopping it. It's like when we, when like when football or when the foreign managers first came in and it was like, stop playing out the back, just boot it up there. But the foreign managers was like, no, we kind of, yeah, sometimes they're, they're going to score and we're going to make mistakes, but we have to keep on doing it and we have to go through the teething pain. And then the more we do that, the better we get. And I think that with... Because it's high pressure and because we, everybody wants that W, I feel like people kind of want to inhibit the process, which sometimes means making mistakes. Yeah, so I definitely think you hit the nail on the head there, Tazza. You, you want to nurture it. like You want to refine it and make it better. I will always give more leeway 
to young players, specifically young players. He's had one season at the top level. He's played one season for a struggle in Southampton. I mean, like you said about Cobham FC, I think that's a double-edged sword because you get the fans who are saying, oh, see, this is what's happened to Chelsea. We just want to give chance to the English lads, to the Cobham lads. Uh, I know Brogy's is not English, but like you get my kind of overall point. He grew up in Slough. Like, yeah, I mean, how, you can't be more English than growing up in Slough, can you? Let's yeah. be honest. Um, but yeah, so they're like, oh, this is what's happened to Chelsea. Like, look at City. They only have this many English players. Look at Liverpool. And it's just like, well, firstly, I mean, you can include City in this, but Chelsea are known to have one of the best youth academies, one of the best youth programmes in the country. It's what Roman started and what we're building for years. And it looks like what Todd kind of wants to get into as well, to kind of, hopefully stop going after the 28, 29 proven air bracket, no, speech brackets players and going for the kind of up and coming 24, 25 year olds. And I think that can be successful. Look at Arsenal. I think they have the youngest average squad in the year, uh, in the season, in the league, sorry. And then look how well they're doing. I definitely think it's, it's a successful way that you can follow. It's just dependent on if people are patient. And I think Chelsea fans, uh, I mean, I know I'm a, I'm a very optimistic, emotional fan and I can get ahead of myself sometimes, but there's a part, I mean, I think Chelsea fans kind of deserve this. They deserve a little bit of kind of um, dodginess and a little bit of struggling to get Champions League because we've been spoiled for years. The way Roman ran the club, that doesn't work anymore. I think a lot of Chelsea fans are beginning to hate City. And I agree. I think you hate anyone that's being successful. I hated Man United growing up. And I know everyone did. You hate the successful team. That's just the way life works. But I think what makes City more annoying is they have all this money. So they spend all this money, but they also run their club very bloody well. They might do a bit of fraud here and there. I mean, I don't know about all that stuff, but the way they run their club, the infrastructure they have set up is perfect. They've basically took... Chelsea's model and evolved it and I think that's why a lot a lot of Chelsea fans get annoyed about kind of City and stuff so go on go on finish your point yeah so I was just saying I think a little bit of patience a little bit of not getting Champions League one year I think we still should get Champions League it's not going to affect us that much we have money we're okay we're still going to attract players we don't want to fall into the Man United thing of kind of having to overpay for kind of average level players. But I think one season out of the Champions League, it's not going to kill us. I don't want to spend one season out of the Champions League. I don't want to hear that Europa League music. I don't want to be playing against Westeros and Conaha FC. I don't want to be doing that. But it's not going to kill us. Um, a little bit of patience. And I think, yeah, if you finish your point, I think it can lead on to the kind of the, the pot of stuff and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, do you know what I think about? I feel like... Fan, when fans play praise rival clubs, a lot of it I see as just vowed shots. And look, maybe that's just my assumption, but a lot of it just feels like them venting about their own club and what they wish would be better. And I think I remember there was a time where United fans used to brag about their infrastructure and how everything was amazing and all that type of stuff. And I said to them, just wait until Ferguson leaves and then we'll see how good all of this shit is. Because I think it's easy to be like, oh, they've got everything perfect and all that. But I think that they just reached a degree of stability with a top manager. And I think that brings the kind of, like, everybody, like he got to see 
his vision through. He got to build teams and then see them through. And then, do you know what I'm saying? And I think that that's what City have hit on. I don't think it's their backroom staff is amazing and all that type of stuff. Um, and it's not to kind of play down what they do. But I just feel like um, it's not rocket science. We've seen it a lot of the times. As long as you've got a manager that's hungry for success and relentless for success, um, and you're at a big club, then do you know what I'm saying? You can for sure. I mean, it definitely helps that City have the best manager in the world, maybe yeah. of all times. But yeah, that definitely so, helps. Kind of, but then it's like, I think part of it is if again, like, who knows? Maybe Pepper Arsenal won't be doing as good as Arteta. Who knows? I'm I'm just saying it's not just that they've got the best manager, they've got the funds like that. Now we know other clubs have the fun, Man United have the funds. But at the same time, and this is what I'm saying, it's not like you kind of have to try to get that manager where everybody kind of believes, and this is good to go into the potter. But I feel like with Pep, everyone follows him. Like the fans, the the players, everybody is bought in. Everybody believes. And I think that Pep is also someone that, again, we know that Tixie is, that's they've got a good friendship. I know Rio talked about it with um Pep and I think it's the same with Arsenal now I don't think I don't think it's a thing where I just think at the club right now and I know it hasn't always been that way but everything's converting to everybody following in the same direction fans um the the board everybody believes in Arteta and there's just a good feeling around it and I think with Chelsea what we've had is and, I, and people talk about the Roman way and we can't do it I, I don't believe that I think with like Roman now under Tuchel potentially, and obviously we just don't know, but I just feel like once we was under Mourinho for a while and everything that everything was going good, like we were winning trophies, like not just a Champions League here and there. We was winning Premier Leagues, you know what I'm saying? We were competing at a Champions League. I feel like that was when we was in our best spot. That we know that Mourinho is not necessarily an agreeable manager, and I think that's the issue. Like with Conte as well. Not necessarily an agreeable manager, but he's got the Conte and Mourinho. They had that relentless hunger, and I think with um, Pep, he's got relentless hunger, and so that's why. And he's got relentless hunger, and he's got a good relationship and all that type of stuff. Those, for me, are the conditions that we should try to replicate. At um, I think, I think with Potter, he doesn't have that relentless hunger to win. You can hear him when he's speaking press conferences, praising Arsenal and all of that type of stuff. Like, I, you know, we know the signs of a winner. They're usually, like, proper bitter when they lose and all of that type of stuff. And maybe Potter's got a bit of that. But I think, for my hope with Potter, is that Todd Bowley is the relentless guy. And so even if Potter isn't relentless, we've still got someone in the camp that's relentless in terms of chasing winning. Um, but if we can keep Potter, and if he can charm not only the squad to believe in him, but the fan base as well, then we can kind of recreate some of that. But I don't think it's necessarily like that everything is perfect at Man City. I think that once Pep leaves, I think it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see who they get to replace him. Because again, the same uh, regime had other managers and it wasn't that easy. Do you know what I'm saying? And I feel like once Pep leaves, maybe we'll get to see if the infrastructure and everything is perfect behind City or they just had this manager that was able to keep everything smooth, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely agree with the fact what you said. I think it helps so much that everyone at City seems very aligned in the same goals. Um, they kind of 
accept that they're all winners, they all want to win, they all kind of have decided on a brand of football, decided on a brand of player. So the alignment in the club really helps and it will be interesting to see how... I mean, if you can't replace Pep. I mean, it's, it's impossible. You, you cannot replace the best manager of all time. So it will be definitely I'm interesting. Sorry, it's, it's subjective, but again, what we're saying is that, uh, for me anyway, what I'm saying is he's been there a long time, so everything's going to be a bit more... Oh, yeah, exactly. Good. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like with us, it's not a little bit of surprise where everything is tumultuous, given everything's been ripped up, whether it's through the board level, manager level, the squad, etc., etc. So we can't look at, as much as looking at the game yesterday, Man City and Chelsea and seeing like everything, even the Arsenal game, like we are very schizophrenic in everything because like, just look at what's happened. Definitely. I think it's, I mean, it's obvious to tell we're a team in transition. I mean, it feels like we've been saying this for five or six years, but that transition always like seems to start and then get stopped. So, I mean, we said it with Tuchel, we said it with Sarri, some people said it with Lampard. We need to just stick by a manager. Like, we really need to and just see how it plays out. I think Potter has shown me enough at Brighton to tell me he's a, like a top manager in terms of his tactics, in terms of the way he sets out a team, which I think is the first step. I think he's definitely still learning on the... Um, kind of different sides it comes of managing a top club like how you are in press conferences I mean at Brighton I mean no one cared like I didn't see I don't follow Brighton fans I don't really follow Brighton media but you don't see his quotes on Sky Sports News when he says something now everything he says is going to be put under a microscope which I in myself I think people are going above and beyond to kind of put everything he says and read between the lines and read what they already feel they're like oh so I feel this so and I think that's a problem, but I do think that happens with every manager at a top club and it's part of Potter's learning experience. So is, this, is this a reference to the um, thing where he says that um, Mount says he likes to play? Because for me... Um... It was that, and it was also, he said the Arsenal thing about them being a good team. Uh, and then he said that, that another... Matters, do you know what, for me... It does matter, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying it matters, and I'm saying... I still think people are putting it under a microscope, but I think that's natural and I think that's going to happen. Yeah, this is, this is, so this is what I'm saying. It matters. And I don't think there's any place to run or hide. Like, and yeah, it, it might just fit, be a thing where he has to learn that this is the big stage. And yeah, he needs to learn how to word the words, the thing he says properly. Cause in essence, the things he's saying aren't untrue. Like Arsenal are better than us at the minute. We are quite far behind city. That isn't untrue, yeah. but the way he says it, he needs to learn how to kind of word these phrases in a way that isn't going to anger the fans. Not even about that. Become... You know what? It's not. It's not even about that. Here's the thing: as a manager, the it's not just about the fans because it's about how you're speaking to players as well. When Mourinho comes in, and we all hear heard the story, Mourinho comes in and says to Lampard, "I think you're the best player in the world." There's a reason why he does that. It's because oh, agreed. Yeah, it's because he wants to change his mentality to that. And so as a manager, what you're emitting matters. But so, we also don't know what Potter's saying behind the scenes. But, but here's the thing. Even what you're saying in front of the scenes matters too. So it's not just about what he's saying to players. It's what, what the type of, like we said, in terms of all of Arsenal being aligned and now the, the fans and the coach, they're all behind them and they've all got high expectations. That universal message you're sitting, sending out matters. 
tell me any manager, tell me any manager that is successful that kind of doesn't try to raise the standard and try to say, actually, do you know what I'm saying? Like when I remember when like was it Moise or Ole or one of those managers and they were talking about City in the we have to be humble, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That I'm sorry, like as a top manager, it's not good. I don't care whether it's public or private, because what your job it is, and we know that football isn't just about talent and all that type of stuff. A lot of it is emotion. And what your job is, is to bring these players up to a point where they don't look at these guys with fear to say that, no, we are on the same level mentally. And so for me, that shit matters. I'm sorry. And I feel like with... Oh, no, I I definitely agree that it matters. My point, my kind of overarching point is that this is the risk we've took with a manager who's never managed at the top level. I think it can be learned. And I think he has the ability to learn it. Um, But I think... That's what I'm saying with Chelsea fans have to be patient in the sense of he's going to take time. We've took this risk. There's no way that Todd and the people on our board look at it kind of in the same way that some fans, they clearly decided this guy is the guy we're going to give time to, in my opinion. Even even so, I still think regardless, like, so like, I think there's a lot of things you can react to something without saying you want that manager out, right? And so regardless of whether he's going to get time or not, and regardless of like, I'm not someone that's calling for any manager to go. But at the same time, um, he needs to understand when things are wrong. And so that kind of reaction from fans or from the public, when he says something that we feel isn't necessarily... And I don't forget, Chelsea fans are used to a certain type of thing now. So with... And look, this is maybe we are wrong to, to be used to it or whatever. But I just... I never... I don't know many managers that are successful that will kind of like humble themselves. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like even the way you say it, you can pay, you can tell the truth by saying, listen, we're gonna we're gonna hunt him down. I remember when Marino came in and says, listen, we're we're was it small horse. Next season we're gonna hunt him down. So even in the kind of understanding where we're at, it's still aggressive. It's still this is do you know what I'm saying? And I just feel like look, there's positives and negatives. And we we I like the fact that Potter is someone that isn't necessarily going to fall out of the board because he seems like a nice guy but I just feel like um there is that kind of message and look I don't know Porter Matt had his own intrinsic way to get these players to compete so that's fine I'm not necessarily that upset about that comment the Mount comment in terms of Mount likes to play I just feel like that sends out all the wrong messages personally he definitely worded that in a way that could have been far far better like the way he worded it was kind of like he is scared of Mount and it was like I get what he was saying. The way he worded it, it was just weird. I think, I, and, I, and I think, I, I think it's what when people start criticizing people, um, the react, people reacting to something that they heard, which didn't sound right. I just feel like, why can't you just be honest that it didn't sound right? I'm sorry. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's maybe like he meant something else or et cetera, et cetera. Then cool. That's why people reacted because he said it wrong. But yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with that stuff. I think kind of everyone who listens to the pod knows why I stand on Mount and knows I'm a fan of him. I personally, when someone like you says something like that, um, I'm like, okay, I mean, fair enough. Like, I feel like you're pretty balanced. You don't really have a strong opinion on Mount. You're here or there. You're kind of, but I think when you see a lot of accounts, like, like bad CFC takes and that, we don't, we don't need to promote. We don't even need to promote other accounts. But I, I get okay. What- but you know, what I mean, like when they then pick this up and use this as a kind of stick to just pump like abuse in the direction and go, see, I told you this, and 
jump to all these conclusions. That's why I'm just like, uh, that's why I get a bit tired of it. And I think that side always is very loud and it hypes up the kind of nonsense. And then my point was like the day after the Arsenal game, which was a shocking performance, everyone was shit. We were really bad. And then all I was seeing on my timeline was this one comment from, um, from Potter about Mount. And I was just like, guys, like, I get it. Like, yeah, that's it's a soundbite, bit of a weird comment, but that was like the main focus rather than I might, how actually shit we were at, I City, might, at Arsenal. I might have even been responsible for that because basically I didn't watch the Arsenal game. So uh, I, I mean, yeah, you probably were, but I mean. yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I didn't watch the Arsenal game, so I couldn't be that upset because I was out and I heard he was losing, but I don't know. People saying we were playing rubbish. But I wasn't really that upset because I just hadn't seen the game. What I was upset about, and it, listen, it, it would have been like, I literally woke up that morning. You know, after you've lost and you're fuming, that and you can't help it, but you're just fuming. I didn't necessarily, yeah. have, I, I didn't necessarily have that because I didn't watch the performances, but I saw like a lot of people were fuming. And so maybe it wasn't the right time for me to put that up. But like, when you see something, it's like, okay, cool. I'm just going to tweet out. It would have been better to do it not after the Arsenal game. But it really, for me, it wasn't about the Arsenal game. I just thought that was horrific watching it. And I feel like even if you I was even if you used to see that, like during the World Cup and that stuff came out and Chelsea weren't even playing and we hadn't lost for ages, like that, I feel like for me, that kind of just sent all the sent all the wrong signals. But I get that everybody was so emotional at that point and so it became a massive storm and it was and it was I'm sure that part of the Arsenal kind of um annoyance but from losing to them kind of fed into it and but yeah but yeah for me it was just like I can't believe he said that I can't I really can't believe he said that that's why I, I tweeted it and then I saw it kind of build or whatever but anyway I think with Mount like for me even when he came on yesterday I think Mount shows a lot of Good technical quality like a lot of good te- I feel like when people always try to play down that like he's got nothing he's got a, a lot of good technical quality Mount on the ball again surrounded by three or four players I feel like he's got where it takes to hold on to the ball a lot of times even when he's kind of loses it he kind of hustles to keep it again um and he, like again there's a lot of times when Mount doesn't play and he comes on and I'm like okay cool I can see like a lift in quality compared to before and I think I saw a little bit about that yesterday. And I know that I've put up another tweet um, and it's about the through balls in the squad. Um, just because I feel like people talk about creativity and sometimes that's crossing and set pieces. But I, I really think like, mm. how are you disrupting the defence? Because with ZH, like a lot of people say he's creative and he did do some creative things like yesterday. But I just feel like we missed that kind of, do you know what I'm talking about? Like true creator. That yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't massively agree with the through ball stuff. I, I get it as a point, and I think when you watch Chelsea, you see that it's definitely an issue, but I don't think it's kind of the be-all and end-all of creativity, if you get what I mean. Like, Go on. Because I actually looked at the numbers, and I think we've played 29 through balls this year, City have played 38. So, I mean, that's nine more through balls than us. And I don't it, think it, it, re- it really depends. So, I feel like in, the, in, in in just the numbers, I didn't do that number analysis. Someone else done the yeah. numbers, so I'll pull it up. In terms of the numbers, you can't tell because it depends where the through balls are done on the pitch. A lot of people are like, oh, my God, our attacking players don't have the highest through balls. Well, that kind of stands to reason because the attackers are the ones that are supposed to be on the end of through balls. Exactly. And it's the deeper players that are supposed to be making the through balls. But again, the deeper you are, the easier it is to make a through ball. So Jorginho making a through ball from like the deep, like in front of the defense to the midfielders, 
that's a lot easier than someone trying to break the, the last line of defence. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. But if you look at like KDB's numbers compared to like Kovacic's number, he's not that much higher. But this, is, say- what, but this, but this is what I'm saying. KDB is breaking the last line of defence a lot where Kovacic might be passing it deeper up forward. So just the crude numbers of it doesn't necessarily tell you everything. Yeah, but that's my point. The, but no, but at the same time, at least Kovacic is making through balls and at least KDB is making through balls. What I'm saying is we don't have, and and for me, like you said, you don't think it's a big thing. I think it's a massive thing because I feel like a lot of the times we end up passing it safe or sideways rather than having someone that actually can disrupt the defence by passing through the middle because those are harder to handle. And I feel like in terms of the array of our uh, attackers, like Ziyech, again, he's more of a wide guy, stuff like that. But I've always said we need someone that can slip the ball or just rearrange. And it doesn't even have to be that fine, that, you know, that triangle on FIFA, whatever. But just someone that has the eyes, the execution that can do that type of things. And I don't think we've had that player. And look, I don't think you need that player per se, but I do feel like that's one of the things that we're missing in our Arsenal. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think we just miss. Even if it's not through balls, we just miss a final execution person, like person who actually makes the right decisions in the final third. But even against Arsenal, where we were awful and our XG was crap and that, but we got into good positions. We just didn't do anything with it because we overhit the cross or played the wrong pass or just done some stupid shit. Like, I mean, we definitely miss that kind of player for sure. I definitely agree with that. All right, cool. Um, but you know, there's a lot to talk about. I know it's I've got to wrap up as well. I'm just I can't lie, I've got a meeting. But um I think before we go, I'd like to say, and then you can give your wrap up. I think Cucurella, I don't understand um how people are attacking him so much. For me, consistently he's been really good defensively. Um and like I watched yesterday's game and I almost thought, okay, cool. He looks like he should be playing for C, not for us. Um and I think Lewis Hall showed that as well. Lewis Hall last season. Uh, shout out to underrated. I put stocks in him, but no one else put stocks in him, so I waste that. But I put stocks in him again this season. Um, he again the audacity. Like for me, a lot of the, the what I'm saying, the easy decisions where people just pass, he takes he takes people on. And I, I think I like that area of the pitch with Cover Lewis Hall um, playing together. Um, Mendy, there were some mistakes made, but again, he did make some big saves as well. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, Sam, you can kind of wrap up your bit. Yeah, uh, Cucurella, I think he was actually good yesterday. He could have maybe done a bit better on the second goal, but closing down Mahrez on his left foot is difficult for any player. Uh, I actually think it was one of his better performances yesterday, starting from uh, since his debut. I don't think he's been amazing defensively. I don't think he's been amazing in general. I think he's been pretty average, to be honest. And I think a lot of the stuff against Cucurella definitely comes from this that annoying place of he was kind of edge um, dubbed as so much better than Chilwell. And you know how fans are, myself included, we can kind of make that comparison and it becomes this kind of battle between the two when I just think they're both better for different reasons. They offer kind of different things. Lewis Hall, brilliant yesterday. Really, really impressed with him. I think with Chilwell out for I don't know how long, the World Cup's coming out of a bit of an awkward time because I think Chilwell may be back soon after, so I'm not sure. I know he's a centre mid by trade, and I think you can see that with his kind of um, security on the ball and his brave bravery on the ball. But I think he was very good, and I think if he's honest with himself, 
I don't think playing left back or playing left wing back would be amazing. But yeah, um, that's all I've got to say on that kind of stuff, really. I think I've said my stuff on other players enough. Hey, all right, perfect. And yeah, we'll end there. I've got a lot to rebuttal, but you sneaky motherfucker, you snuck that in. I can't even rebuttal. So, yeah. It's your meeting, quick. <laughs> all right, that's one. All right, safe everyone. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.